Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many conversations have you had with other people, or maybe even with yourself, when it comes to heaven and hell? I was teaching the third or sixth graders at Word of Life this week, and I asked that question. And one of them raised their hand immediately and said that they had spoken with someone who was not a Christian, and they told them that they were going to be tortured in hell. That was the conversation. So as we think about heaven and hell, is heaven simply up there and hell is down here? Heaven is for good people and hell is for bad people? I was talking with another pastor who said that he was talking with a woman who is not a believer, and she was teaching her daughter that heaven is what we have here on earth. We are enjoying heaven already because this is all there is, and so enjoy it. This is heaven. I think it's difficult for all of us to reconcile heaven and hell as something that will go on forever and ever and ever. But today, Jesus, as he teaches, he talks about three people, one in hell, and two of them are in heaven. Some of the commentators for Luke have taken this gospel lesson that we have for today, and they have commented on the rich man. They said, in Israel at this time, most likely this rich man would have been a believer in the God of the Bible. He would have been a believer in the God of the Bible, and he would have prayed to the God in the Bible, and he would have obeyed the commandments that God had placed in the Bible that he would have known quite well. So the question I come up with is, why is he in hell if he's a believer? Well, we have the answer in Luke chapter 25, in the verse 25, he had already, past tense, he had already in his lifetime received what was most important to him, his wealth and status, the best clothing and the best food. What this rich man considered his highest good was his identity. And so Jesus describes him. A rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. As Anne had mentioned, there are many good things in this life. Money and food and clothing, all of those things are good things that God wants us to enjoy. But this rich man made those earthly things his highest good, his ultimate good. And now he's in hell. And he's still trying to keep his status. He's still trying to say his highest good is this, because what does he say to Abraham? He says to Abraham, send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He thinks that Lazarus should still serve him, because this was his identity on earth, and this continues to be his thought of his identity in hell. But now that everything is gone, he is left nameless. There is no him. Because his entire identity was built on the things of this earth. Things that will end. 
as Paul says, we bring nothing into this world and we take nothing out. And it might have looked to all of those around him that he was worshiping God when in reality he was worshiping something else. We know the definition for sin to be disobedience to God, but maybe as we dive deeper into this text, perhaps maybe a fuller definition of sin might be this. Building one's identity on anything but God. There are those good things that God wants us to enjoy. But when they become so important to us, when they become everything to us, they own us. And Paul says in Romans chapter 6, when we are slaves to the things of this world, things that we think are good, things that we would say this is the right thing to do, Paul goes on to say they only end in death. And so it's a question to ask each of us this morning, what is our identity? It's a serious question, something that we should really be concerned about because our identity is always under attack. It can be attacked by our own self where we're trying to claim something for ourselves. Maybe it's who we are or what we do, that this is the most important thing in my life. Or it could be Satan telling lies to us, saying, did God really say? Or it could be the world around us wanting us to attain some glory, wanting us to look at something as far as the material world goes and say, hold on to this. It's the most important thing. You can't lose it. If you lose it, you'll lose your identity. If there's anything in our own self, the devil and his temptations, and the world around us that wants to claim our identity, it really separates us from God. It separates us from what God wants for us in our lives. It leaves God out. God is only a means to an end. But it's not what God wants for us, and it's not what God intends for us. Notice in Scripture today, <clears throat> when Abraham speaks to the man, he says to him, son, he says to him, child, there's a relationship. There's sadness in Abraham's voice when he speaks to him. He speaks to him in a way of an endearment, that this is a tragedy. God did not intend for this man to end up in hell, but we need to remember that this is his choosing. The rich man chose these things on earth to be most important, the highest good. So what do we do with this? How do we see our identity in a different way? The rich man says to Abraham, send someone to warn those still on earth. If someone comes back from the dead, there will be repentance. But Abraham says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced. They'll never change their identity if someone should rise from the dead. Now think about that. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. We know that we have the resurrection before us. But just knowing the resurrection is not enough. We need to know why Jesus died. And why then God raised him from the dead. And we have that 
in God's word from Moses and the prophets. So I'd like to share with you from Isaiah 53. Listen to these words of God today from the prophet Isaiah. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And when his soul is made a guilt offering, he will see his offering. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the anguish of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Unless you believe in hell, you will never know the price that Jesus paid to save you and to save me. I heard this illustration that I thought was helpful. Suppose you go on vacation. And while you're gone on vacation, you ask someone to pick up your mail. And you come back and you find out they've paid all of your bills. So they paid your electric bill, they paid your gas bill, they paid your phone bill. What's your response? Well, you'd be pretty thankful. I would suggest that you take them out for dinner and do something nice for them. But what if they paid your student loan? What if they paid your credit card debt? What if they paid your tax bill? What if they paid some huge bill you had at the hospital that was hanging over your head? What if they paid off your car loans? What if they paid your mortgage on your house? What if they paid it all? What then would be your response? Dinner wouldn't be enough. (laughs) Jesus paid it all. He paid the full price. In his body and blood, he took upon himself our sin. He gave his life. He shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. He entered into death. He really entered into our identity so that we could have his identity. He took all of this upon himself, what we deserved, so that we could have a new identity. So that that new identity could be our Christian witness to the world around us. That we are different. That we have something that we have in our lives. We have Jesus. He is our identity. In his death and his resurrection, he defeated sin. He defeated the devil. And he conquered hell for you and for me, so that our identity would be certain. We may never fully understand heaven and never fully understand hell on this side of heaven, in this earth that we live. But we can preach Christ crucified, risen, and ascended, and what that identity has brought to us in our life, that we die with Christ and that we rise with Christ. This is what the Lutheran confessions say, for it is enough, and I sort of added It is the highest good to know that Christ descended into hell and destroyed hell for all believers and that he redeemed them from the power of death, the devil, and eternal damnation of hellish retribution. How that happened, we should say for the next world, where not only this matter but many others which we here have simply believed 
and cannot comprehend with our blind reason will be revealed. How beautiful that is to hear that we don't have to fully understand what heaven and hell, what all of that is, but to know with certainty that our identity, that the Holy Spirit liberates us today by the word of God, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again, and to know that Christ himself, his body and blood, conquering death, conquering hell, not only today, but for eternity. That's present tense. Here today, Christ gives us life, and he gives us life through his body and through his blood.